Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you do, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. In this week's message with Tom Hughes, we resume our study in Daniel 8. We look at the dual fulfillment of prophecy and the striking parallels between Antiochus Epiphanes and the Antichrist to come. Let's get started. So we are continuing in the book of Daniel, and we are going to be here. Uh, we began chapter 8 last time, and um, we're gonna, we have three messages in chapter 8. Uh, this is the second one. Next Sunday night we'll do the third one. But this is, can you recognize Antichrist? And we're going to get a real good idea of Antichrist based on the passage that we are looking at uh, this evening. And so let's think about where we've been in, in Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel had a vision, Daniel chapter 8, Daniel has a vision, and we were in the middle of the vision of Daniel chapter 8, and, and uh, what Daniel had seen, he had seen the uh, Medo-Persian Empire rise up and get taken out by the Greek Empire. Uh, the goat, remember that? And so Alexander the Great rises up. Uh, when we concluded last time, Alexander the Great had died. And uh, in his place, four generals uh, took over the kingdom of the Greek Empire. And the kingdom of the Greek Empire was split uh, under those four different generals. And then we saw where one of the generals had died. And uh, that general uh, was replaced eventually by a man named Antiochus Epiphanes. How wicked was Antiochus Epiphanes? Uh, he he uh, set out to rid the world of Jews and the Jewish religion. Uh, Anti-Semitism has always been around. Ever since God made a covenant with Abram, uh, anti-Semitism has been here. But instead of the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles, Antiochus brought into the temple, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, the Feast of Bacchanalia, uh, the worship of Bacchus, the god of pleasure. He forbade the observance of the Sabbath and the reading of Scripture. He burnt every copy of the Torah that he could find. If the Jews worshipped or practiced anything Jewish, they were executed. A couple of stories that I closed with last time, I'll bring in here. They're horrible, but then we're going to move on from these in just a minute, all right? The Jews, during the time of Antiochus Epiphanes, were forbidden the practice of circumcision. And history records that there were two mothers who, because of their deep commitment to their Jewish culture, uh, circumcised their boys. When Antiochus heard about it, he took the babies, he killed them. He hung them around each mother's neck. He marched the women through the streets of Jerusalem up to the highest wall. And there the women and their babies were thrown headlong over the precipice. Another is recorded that there was a mother who had seven sons who defied Antiochus' law regarding worship. So he cut out their tongues in front of their mother. It gets worse. He fried them to death on a flat iron one at a time while his mother was forced to watch. And then, after they were dead, he then had... Uh, their mother murdered. For good reason, the Jews hated this ruler. He's the prototype of Antichrist. So if a person wants to get an idea of what Antichrist will be like with this man, God gives the world previews of coming attractions. We're going to get a real good idea. In fact, Daniel chapter 8 will even tell us that we can count on it being just like Antiochus. We'll see that in just a minute. But his name means Antiochus, God manifest. So as the Antichrist will in the future claim to be God, we know that because 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us that Antichrist will sit in the temple and demand to be worshipped as God. So too, uh, during what 165 BC, I think is about the time frame of this, 170 BC, um, Antiochus Epiphanes demanded to also be worshipped as God. So this is a two-part message about this part of the dream and the interpretation of it. And next time we will get into the second part of the dream where the interpretation is given to us for the last days and specific application for the last days. 
I know that because the Bible's actually going to tell us that in just a minute, uh, but we get a real good preview of what is going on here. This prophecy of Antiochus has a dual fulfillment. A lot of prophecies regarding the last days have a dual fulfillment. There's a prototype, and then there is the real one to come. Uh, this is one of those. So you all ready? Okay, we're going to pick up right in the middle of chapter 8. Let's pick up in verse 8. We're not going to read a lot of verses. Uh, there's a lot in here, and so I want to have enough time to be able to connect the dots. So chapter 8 of Daniel, uh, we have this vision. Daniel's trying to figure out what's going on with the vision. He's got to have an angel explain to him what's going on with the vision. Chapter 8, verse 8 says this. Therefore, the male goat grew very great. You're thinking, what does that have to do with anything? Well, if you are with us last time, you remember who was the male goat. Alexander the Great. We know that from history. In fact, it's because of the prophecies of Daniel chapter 8, another something to keep in mind, uh, many historians, biblical and historian, and historian, biblical and secular historians, say that Daniel could not have possibly been predictive or a prophecy because chapter 8 is so accurate about the kingdom of Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire that nobody could possibly predict the future like that. So Daniel was written after the fact, looking back to Alexander the Great and the kingdom of Alexander the Great. Not so fast. God tells us beforehand what is coming so that we can know that the word of God is true. Amen? Okay, so this male goat, we already learned this, is Alexander the Great. He grew to be very great, but when he became strong, the large horn was broken. So there's a large horn in the goat's head. If you remember that from last time, we saw that. So it, when he became strong, it was broken. In other words, he died. He died at the peak of his kingdom. He had conquered the, the, the known world at that time. He's thinking, uh, what else is there for me to conquer? And then he dies. That's what that's about. The large horn was broken, and in place of it, four notable horns came up toward the four winds of heaven. Those are the four generals that came up after Alexander the Great, and the kingdom was split with these four generals. And out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. So that little horn is Antiochus Epiphanes, this one who persecutes the Jews, as we're going to see here in just a second. And this little horn grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. What is that about? We'll see in a minute. Verse 11, he even exalted himself as high as the prince of hosts. That's talking about the Lord Jesus. And by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary, the place of the Lord's sanctuary, was cast down. This is talking about the desecration of the temple in Jerusalem. Because of the transgression, an army was given over to the horn, in other words, an army given over to Antiochus Epiphanes, to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, how long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices? and the transgression of desolation, and the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, and then the sanctuary will be cleansed. Verse 15, just three more verses. And then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ulai who called and said, Gabriel... Make this man understand the vision. That is a call out to the angel Gabriel. Some people say this man's voice is the Lord Jesus Christ. Others saying it's one angel calling out to Gabriel. Neither, either way, uh, Gabriel starts to explain the vision. Verse 17, last verse. So he came near where I stood. So Gabriel came near to Daniel. And when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, look at this, understand, son of man, understand, Daniel, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Wow! It's, this is a fascinating passage. It can be totally confusing if you don't look at it. 
So I'm going to do my best to unconfuse it for all of us. It's fascinating. It's intriguing. It's scary. It's exciting if you're a believer. It is frightening if not. Let's think. So this is the vision for the last days. What are those last days going to look like? God has told us various places in the Bible what the last days are going to look like. There will be pestilence. This is on Drudge Report today. Did anybody else see this besides me? You, you did? Scaredy cat. So this is a cat with a mask on. It's kind of humorous. However, what's not humorous is what's really going on with coronavirus and other pestilences right now. Uh, this says 44 Americans on cruise ship in Japan get virus. Panic during evacuations. Um, couple test positive after Hawaii visit. No handshakes. Outbreak spooks places of worship. Home quarantine buys time. Did this coronavirus originate in a lab? Uh, government offers bounties to rat out sick neighbors. Isn't that interesting? This isn't talking about the United States, right? But you start, you've seen this in China thinking, hey, they're coughing over there. I'm calling the authorities on them. So, but you, look, you start looking at the, the tribulation period, this kind of mentality, that's what happened to the Jews during Nazi days, right? And you see this, if you're sick, call the government authorities. Who by doctors warn of even deadlier coronavirus infection causing sudden heart attacks. Uh, Vietnam imposes first mass quarantine outside of China. 10,000 residents are on lockdown. So that's in Vietnam. Um, then there is this. Have, have any of you been following this locust invasion in Africa? This is really, really, really a very, very, very bad situation. Uh, like something out of the book of Exodus, locust armies are devouring entire farms in Kenya in as little as 30 seconds. Um, there is, there, it is known, it's not a fear now, there's going to be mass famine and mass death because what is going on with these locust invasions over in Africa? It's a very bad situation. All I can recommend is pray, and uh, it's, it's not looking, is not good. We're here in America, so we don't hear about these things. Uh, we're, we, we hear about the Grammy Awards. We hear about the Oscars. We get the political speeches everywhere we go. Um, we're told nice things at church, and we are not, we're, we're really dumbed down with what is really going on in this world. I'll show you that in just a second, too. And there's this, why witchcraft is on the rise. Um, do you know one of the signs of the last days is sorcery? Uh, and sorcery applies, has two different applications. The Greek word in the New Testament is pharmakia, where we get pharmaceuticals. We get drug addiction, which I believe drug addiction has led to all kinds of uh, major spiritual problems in America uh, as they are right now. Uh, people say uh, drugs are harmless, only affects the person. All you got to do in our valley, take a little drive down Florida Avenue, right? You see mental illness, and I'm convinced a lot of people are, are demon-possessed, but you start looking not just in there. You look at the crazy things that are going on in this world, the decisions that are being made, um, I don't know how else to think except people in leadership positions in our world are demon-possessed, and it's not demon-possessed, demon-influenced. Yeah, but people are giving themselves over to witchcraft and sorcery. And the Bible says that is one of the signs of last days. Listen, we remove God from everything, officially, right? We haven't, maybe collectively or as a, a us, right? Believers in Christ filled with the Holy Spirit. But the, but the United States, uh, America by and large has from schools. When you remove God from schools, uh, courts, politics, you create a void. What's going to fill that void? It's, it's going to be anti-God spirit, anti-Christ spirit. Israel fears EU member states set to recognize Palestine, which leads to this. The UN blacklists companies with ties to Israeli settlements. Um, if go to this, next time you're at the grocery store, you can go down certain aisles of your grocery store, and you start to look at 
uh, the products, or you just Google it, it would be actually easier. Google the products that are boycotted that come from Israel that are not allowed to be sold um, in Western countries uh, right now. In fact, uh, even in the United States, you can't pick up certain products just because the company in the United States, maybe a distributor, won't deal with that company that's over in Israel. Did you know that? Uh, I, have a, I have a list of them. But, it, but this is what's going on. This BDS movement, it's been going on for quite some time. And this blacklist, and uh, it looked like it was going to start to go away, but this thing has come back with a vengeance. Uh, unfortunately, also for people who live in the West Bank, Palestinian areas, their jobs are, they get jobs because of the products that are coming from these areas that are on the blacklist. So if the UN really cared, if these European countries really cared about the Palestinians, why are they forcing them out of work? Right? The, the, I, I was talking with a gentleman, a um, Muslim man, here just recently in our valley, only a few weeks ago. And I, I told him about one of my friends that I've, I've come to know over the last many years in Jerusalem. His name's Ali, and uh, he's Muslim, and he, he works in a Jewish hotel. And he said, yeah, because that's where the jobs are. So what are you going to do? Take away the jobs, all for your political purposes, but it's like, well, well, that's okay, right? Uh, we don't really care about that. We just want to attack the Jewish people. And uh, if you look at this, you just think, man. Uh, then there's this. This is the flip side. We live in the greatest timeline ever, right? Okay, this is uh, at the Daytona 500 today, I believe. I believe it's Daytona 500. Uh, Trump was going to drive around the track. Did he do it? Okay, I didn't see if he actually did it. So that's what that's talking about. Trump's going to drive around the track before the race started. So that'll happen in that. Okay, so understand this. We live in the greatest timeline ever. I just showed you several news stories j just from today, and I could have had a hundred different ones, right? So you have the flip side. On the, uh, you have all this bad stuff going on. Africa has gotten all kinds of suffering. You have all these viruses and pestilences, just different things, witchcraft. And then you have uh, these posts that you see a lot of, we live in the greatest timeline ever, economy is booming, da, da, da. Know this, Jesus himself said that you better be ready because when Jesus returns, he's going to come at a time. When he, when, when he calls us home, he, it, it's going to be at a time that we least expect it. Um, it implies that things are going really good. So there might be stuff that's going on bad that's out there that I can talk about, that you can talk about, but there's this sense in America right now, oh man, things are going to be great, um, things are going this direction, the next 20 years I'm going to be rich, and, and, and when things go well, you know what people do, they ignore the Lord. They start, and it happens with Christians, just as easy as non-Christians. And we need to be really, really careful. That's why I go through stories, to help connect all the different dots. Because it's really easy to get caught up. Hey man, things are going great. At the same time, let's see what is really going on in this world. Uh, let me just read a couple more things when we, as we move on. But all of these work into Daniel chapter 8. North Korea concealing coronavirus outbreak. Officials ordered to quickly dispose of bodies. Anybody hear that? Department of Defense, the military has mass quarantine camps set up in the United States. I don't know where they are, but you hear about these things. You're going, okay, is this just a made-up article? I read details about it. It looks like these things are real. And you go, but we aren't hearing about them. Probably because it would scare everybody half to death. And we're, I was talking to somebody about these things the other day. They go, I'm getting ready to go to Mexico. I said, do you see what happens to people? I mean, do you really think that's going to be your solution? So, you know, you're looking at, oh, this makes no sense to me. Um, extremists are using coronavirus outbreak to stoke hatred of Jews. Extremists hope the virus kills Jews, but they are also using its emergence to advance anti-Semitic theories that Jews are responsible for creating the virus. And then you read another article of the Chinese are responsible for creating it. You're like, oh, man, that's nuts. Uh, but let me read this. This is courtesy of, of Damon Duck. A tribulation indicator. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But uh, he notes this. Puts it kind of into perspective for us. Pol uh, various plagues of biblical proportions are wreaking havoc around the world. 
Since September of 2019, the worst wildfires in Australia in decades have killed uh, many people, destroyed more than 3,000 homes, burned 15 to 20 million acres, killed perhaps as many as 1 billion animals. I'm sure some of you heard this. Um, although heavy rains have doused many of the fires, now flash flooding is a problem. Currently, billions of locusts are devouring crops in Somalia, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Kenya, Uganda, Uganda Ethiopia, Djibouti, uh, and South Sudan. Um, there's little left that people and animals can eat. And he says, think famine. About two-thirds of the pigs in China have died from swine flu. Pork is now a luxury. Some Chinese have not had pork to eat in about six months, and some have turned to cheaper meat, rabbits and dogs. And he writes this, think the rider on the black horse, Revelation chapter 6. That is when famine hits and the scales are so out of balance, it's a day's wage for just a loaf of bread, right? So that is coming. But you start looking at these things, you put them into perspective, you're going, man, 4,500 chickens recently died from the H5N1 bird flu virus in China. The coronavirus has caused China to declare a national emergency. The World Health Organization has declared a global health emergency. The U.S. has declared a national health crisis. Other nations are taking similar steps, and there have been several reports that real statistics are grossly underreported. The U.S. is trying to contain it, but if it makes its way to Mexico, America's open border will allow it to spread, and the U.S. will be helpless to stop it. By the way, I appreciate your prayers. Tomorrow I go to the border with Jack Hibbs and some people from Washington, and uh, I get to see what's going on and give reports. So I appreciate your prayers on that. You look at this, you go, man. Uh, concerning persecution, China's leader Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping ordered churches and crosses to be destroyed. He ordered the Bible to be rewritten. Uh, you've probably heard about this. I've, I've reported this many times over the last year. He ordered the posting of signs at churches forbidding anyone under 18 to enter. So no kids. We see that happening here in America differently, right? You can't talk about Jesus' schools, you know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, it's just done differently. Same purpose. He forced people to worship him like he is God. Think Antiochus, right? Uh, but then he writes this. Damon Duck says, perhaps it's time to ask Xi Jinping if he is God, why doesn't he stop the plagues that are killing all the people in China? That's a good question. On February 5, breaking news, Israel posted an article by David Sidman, this is so fascinating, that said Rabbi Shlomo Amar, the former Sephardic chief rabbi of Israel, recently told the group, all the great rabbis of this generation are saying that the Messiah is about to reveal himself. All the signs the prophets gave, all the signs predicted in the Gemara, all the signs in the Mishnah, the Midrash, everything is taking place one by one. All we need is to remain strong for a little bit longer. The article also said another rabbi announced that the arrival of the Messiah would preempt the initiation of Trump's plan for the Middle East. Um, it's worth noting that many rabbis believe that our generation has seen all signs of Messiah's coming taking place. Concerning Trump's plan for the Middle East, now called peace to prosperity, think of what the Bible says when they say peace and prosperity or peace and safety, every, you know, just saying, uh, the uh, Palestinian Authority and the Arab League uh, have rejected it. However, also know that the U.S., Israel, Saudi Arabia, the EU, Sudan, Bahrain, and Oman are talking about meeting in Egypt to discuss President Trump's peace proposal. There's no doubt that there will be a peace plan at the beginning of the tribulation period, and all of the signs seem to indicate that the tribulation could be very close. God alone, uh, alone knows whether Trump's proposal will be negotiated into a plan or there will be a different one. Uh, President Trump's Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and several others have told the Palestinians this may be their last chance to have their own state. The U.S. has even told Mahmoud Abbas that the anticipated upcoming meeting in Egypt could be the Palestinians' last chance to have their own state. Who knows? But if this is the last chance to divide the land of Israel, this could be that plan. You look at these things, you're going, this is unbelievable where we are. So you see that, right? 
because you know what the Bible says, listen, there's never been a time like this before. All these things are happening right now while the Jews are back in the land, while there's this attempted peace plan, while at the same time we're saying, man, this is the great, greatest time in the world to be alive. When you look and you think, wow, Jesus said, when you least expect it, I'm coming. And Christians are not paying attention to what's going on. They're just ignoring everything, don't want to hear about it, and, and on down the list. So I look at this, Daniel's told by angel Gabriel, I'm telling you, Daniel, what is coming for the last days. So we go back to Daniel, into the area of, of uh, uh, Babylon where Daniel has this dream, but he's, he's, the, the dream is about, the vision he has is about Jerusalem, Antiochus Epiphanes, and then the fulfillment coming with the Antichrist. So to get us an understanding of all those things, Think of this, in December of 168 B.C., Antiochus returned to Jerusalem in defeat from Alexandria and the Romans. At that time, Antiochus ordered his troops to seize Jerusalem on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath, and that is when the trouble began for the Jews, and his fury, the fury of Antiochus, turned against the Jews. So just two main points tonight, because I want to do my best to get you out of here on time. We'll see if it happens. I don't have a lot of notes, but I don't know if you know this. I can talk a lot. <laughs> so we have, note this, we have the wicked ruler, verses 9 through 12 that we uh, read. Uh, allow me to point out some specific things uh, regarding this little horn, Antiochus Epiphanes, as he turns to the glorious land, and how much he gives us the understanding of what an, uh, Antichrist is going to be like. So in verse 9, he became great toward the glorious land. The glorious land in Israel is specifically Jerusalem. So Daniel has a dream in Babylon about what's coming in Jerusalem uh, a few hundred years after Daniel would be dead, right? By the time Jesus comes along, there's 165, 175 years behind, happened before Jesus. But he became great toward the glorious land. That would be specifically Jerusalem. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 6. Israel is referred to as the glory of all lands. Uh, Psalm 28, verse 2. Israel is referred to as the, or Jerusalem really, the city of our God. His holy mountain, a beautiful, his holy mountain Zion, that would be Jerusalem, Zion. A beautiful a joy of the whole earth. Uh, keep this in mind also because with the Antichrist, we will see in the coming weeks, he is going to turn his sights towards the glorious land. Also listed as the glorious land at the time of Antichrist. Now, how many of you have been to Israel before? Okay. How many of you have been to Jerusalem? Okay. With that, when you saw Jerusalem the first time, did it look, be honest with me, like you'd say, wow, now that is some glorious land. Anybody? No, when you look at Jerusalem, listen, my first time, the second time, yes, the first time, I looked at Jerusalem, and then I looked at Hemet, California, and I thought, what's the difference? The buildings are just, uh, now, is, is that a little bit more accurate to saying, right? It, it, you look and you go, these buildings are old, it's not by the sea, um, you're wondering, it's hilly, it's rocky? And you're thinking, God calls this the glorious land. Now, granted, after that, my first, after a few hours in Jerusalem, I said, this place is unbelievable. Every time I go to Jerusalem now, you're, you're ascending the hill on the bus, for those of you who have done it. And every bus does the same thing. There's hundreds and thousands of them there now. They're all doing the same thing, playing the Jerusalem song. Jerusalem, I won't sing it for you. I want to ruin it for you. And, and I well up with tears every time now. And I, I know what's coming. I'm going to see the city of God. This is the glorious land. It may not look like Hawaii. It may not look like Newport Beach or Laguna Beach or, or, or uh, Fort Lauderdale, whatever that looks. never seen it before. Or New York City or any of those things. It might look a little bit like Hemet. Yeah, just saying. But it's, it is something. Beca the reason it's glorious is because why would Satan want that land? Why do the world powers want that land when there's nothing physically attractive to it? You can't explain it with logic when you see it. 
It can only be because God says that's my city. And Jesus is going to come back and he's going to rule in that land. Zion is his. It is the glorious land. And it is. Once you go there and you see it, it will become totally off the charts. No city in the world like it. Literally, there's absolutely nothing that can compare. There's cool cities out there, but nothing like Jerusalem. There's only one Jerusalem, the city of God. Uh, Verse 10. Antiochus grew to the host of heaven, cast down some hosts and stars, and trampled them. Uh, these, these hosts of heaven are symbols in the Old Testament for angels, kings, and leaders. Um, in the New Testament, stars or hosts are also symbols for pastors. Did you know that? But also in the Old Testament, stars or hosts of heaven are, are uh, likened to Jews at large. So, it could be kings or leaders or judges, leaders in the Old Testament or Jews at large. Uh, Genesis chapter 26, verse 4, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jewish people, are numbered with the stars of heaven. I believe that is more of a, it's a picture, not saying the Jews are like the stars there. However, Genesis 37, verse 9, you know this, this part here, right? The founding father, the leaders of Israel, the 11 brothers of Joseph, are seen as uh, stars as also in our... uh, I didn't write that out correctly. Let me explain that one to you. So, in fact, I'm going to explain them both to you because neither of them make sense to you, do they? No? No, they don't. Okay, so in 26 verse 4, God is telling Abraham, you look up to the stars of heaven and uh, so will your descendants be like the stars of heaven. You're not going to be able to count them. There's going to be so many of them. That's what that is. Uh, commentators will say, well, that's a reference to the Jewish people, specifically stars. I wouldn't agree with that one. However, in Genesis 37 and Revelation chapter 12, Joseph, is, he looks, in fact, in, in uh, Genesis chapter 37, Joseph has a dream, and the stars are bowing down to him. Now you know that passage? Now is it making sense? No. Okay, so anyways, Joseph, this guy in the Old Testament, has a dream. <laughs> he sees his brothers bowing down to them, the seven stars, and the Bible's very clear, those are your seven, your 11, 11, your 11 brothers. Book of Revelation chapter 12, you also see uh, all the stars, the 12 stars in Revelation chapter 12 that are representing the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, the uh, 12 tribes of Jacob. So there you have the stars, or the hosts of heaven. So you have this, the um, when Antiochus grew to the host of heaven, he cast down some of the hosts and the stars and trampled them. Antiochus murdered rulers, religious leaders, and severely uh, persecuted the people of Israel in general. He murdered from 80, 80 to 100,000 of them. And the Antichrist is going to do the same thing, but far, far, far worse. And it's not a pleasant thing to talk about. And it's another reason, if you're here this morning listening to Aton Barr speak, and realizing, listen, uh, we need to be praying for the salvation of many Jews and many people all over the Mideast. Verse 11, Antiochus exalted himself as high as the prince of hosts. The prince of hosts is Jesus Christ. Antiochus was much like Satan himself who said in Isaiah, I will ascend and be like the most high God. Again, Antichrist will ascend. 2 Thessalonians 2 already quoted it and he will demand to be worshipped as God. Also in verse 11, uh, by him, by Antiochus, the daily sacrifices were taken away. Uh, So the Jews were sacrificing in Jerusalem, 170-ish B.C., and uh, those sacrifices were taken away. Simply what that means. Antiochus put an end to the worship of God at the temple of God and the sacrifices for Israel's transgressions. So too will Antichrist. Uh, again, it's interesting to note that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where, we are, or, or, uh, where you have in, in Daniel chapter 9, where Antichrist takes away the sacrifices, uh, Antiochus did the same thing here in Daniel chapter 7, um, we know there's no sacrifices going on at the temple today in Jerusalem. We also know there is no temple today in Jerusalem. So we know some things. There's a temple coming to Jerusalem and the Jews are going to start sacrificing animals there again. By the way, just for the record, so I don't get accused falsely by somebody online, uh, those sacrifices will still not pay for the sins 
of the Jewish people. They still need the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world. However, I will say this at the same time. Uh, those sacrifices ended uh, almost 2,000 years ago for the Jews. Um, the Romans destroyed Israel in 70 A.D., and uh, they haven't been sacrificing ever since. One of the things that's driving the Jews today to want to rebuild the temple, or to build the third temple, is because they want to start sacrifices again. Because by animal sacrifices, their thinking is, look, we have no, no covering of our sin, and we have a, 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 a big problem. And so this is the mindset that is driving uh, many Jews to want to uh, sacrifice. Um, uh, verse 11, the place of God's sanctuary was cast down. What's that speaking of? Okay, Antiochus comes in and he desecrates the abomination of desolation. He desecrates the temple. Am I giving you too much information? No? Okay. I'm glad you guys like information on Sunday nights because, because I get a lot of it. So Antiochus, uh, he, it's the abomination of desolation. He desecrates the temple. How did he do it? Uh, he erected an idol of Zeus, and then he sacrificed a pig, which is unkosher, uh, to Zeus, Zeus being the symbol, the idol of Satan. And, and then he sprinkled the blood and the pig juices throughout the sanctuary, throughout the temple. He desecrated them, okay? So that was 170-ish B.C. Jesus comes along, uh, about 200 years later, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, and he says to the Jews, when you see the abomination of desolation, play the music on your cell phone. That's what he says. No. When you see, okay, it's okay. It was nice music. <laughs> um, when you see the abomination of desolation, uh, flee. Uh, you know, disasters coming to Jerusalem. So Jesus was not looking back to Antiochus, although Antiochus had made this abomination, done this abomination of desolation, desecrated the temple. Jesus was still looking to the future, which is still our future of this day. Jesus was talking about the Antichrist who was still to come. Hence, that's another reason why we know this is a dual fulfillment of prophecy. Antiochus was the prototype of the antichrist who was coming does that make sense so you have you have the 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 he's a preview he's like the movie trailer right this is what's coming and jesus said this is still coming so we know he's a prototype um all of verse 12 because of transgression an army was given over to uh the little horn uh the the horn here is again it is antiochus okay this is where it really gets interesting what is the transgression spoken of in verse 12? It appears that the specific transgression that is referred to in verse 12 had to do with the priest selling out the holy place for a bride, for money. Before Antiochus officially came to Jerusalem, he removed a high priest named Onius III and replaced him with Onius' brother Jason because Jason had bribed Antiochus. Hey, here's some money, let me have this job, da, da, right? Then in 172 B.C., another brother named Minilas gave Antiochus an even larger bribe than his brother Jason. And he started selling gold from the temple that was used to worship God in order to pay his bribe. Anyways, fighting broke out between the brothers and Antiochus came to Jerusalem to defend the brother with the biggest bribe. What happened was they were already in a mess, but this came down to greed. And they were willing, the clergy, the leaders, the priests, were willing to sell the holy things to a wicked leader for the, the, the riches of this world. Does it make sense? It's like, hey, we'll take care of this whole thing. We want to get along with Antiochus. We'll give money. We'll sell. We'll sell. He sold the holy vessels. And you look at this and you go, what, how could you do such a thing? Um, it, it's simple. You start to compromise and you compromise in holy things and you sell out your relationship with God. You sell out a holy God. Uh, you want people to like you. 
Um, you want money for, for spiritual things, and on down uh, that list. Listen to this, Terry James writes, when witnessing things going on in the American political world over the past months, one can uh, but come to one conclusion. The Lord is at work directing all things into eschatological channels of his own design. Prophetic fulfillment, that's what he's talking about. Those who adamantly oppose godliness are mostly on the side of one political party. They are for everything the Lord in heaven says he is against. God is making that opposition clear by confusing them for all the world to see. This opposition party to God's desires for human conduct adheres to going against the Lord's principles of life. Just think about this. They are for murder of the unborn and even those just born. Uh, that is, they're for abortion under the guise of giving the woman the right to choose. They're champions of men having sexual relations with other men and women having sexual relations with other women. This is happening even under the auspices of so-called clergy who approve of this unbiblical activity. It's clergy. I think the biggest problem we have in America is clergy. And I know I'm one, right? But it's understanding. When you sell out the things, so you have the transgression. God said, that is it. It was when the clergy of that day sold out the things that God had said are good. And this is where we are in America now. And you, you can see what is, all the things that is, that is um, coming. In earlier times, I'm almost done with this, reports of things going on under the progressive mindset would have defied logic. But now the abnormal, even a born activity is seen by anti-God forces is not only okay, but mainstream. I refer, last thing, uh, for example, to the views that have been developing regarding pedophilia. Even courses in academia at the university level now hold that including children in sexual activity with adults is to be normed, not considered psychological dysfunction or criminal activity, but just an alternate way of looking at things. This gets a lot more detail, so I'm not going to go into all this stuff, but, but this is the mindset. And you think that this is being supported by, these types of things are being supported in, in churches, uh, by clergy. Um, and so this is what they were guilty of. Because of transgression, an army was given over to um, the horn, uh, the Antiochus in that sense. The same thing is coming in the days of Antichrist. And, uh, but you look at where we are right now. This is not rocket science. Uh, you have to be in denial. Or, or just decide, I'm not going to read my Bible or ignore these things. And we really need to be alert to the days that we live in. Let me, let me move on because I want to get to the end. So we have the wicked leader. This, the, oh, I said only two things tonight. This one will be shorter. His short-lived kingdom in verses um, 13 and 14. In verse 13, the holy ones or the angels are talking with each other. Uh, how long will it be that this wicked man rules? How much longer, Lord? Uh, oh, Lord, how long are you going to let this go on? The answer is in verse 14, 2,300 days then the sanctuary will be cleansed. So this abomination of desolation, the pig's blood uh, sprinkled all over the temple, this desecration of the temple, the holy place, 2,300 days, because the holy men that were supposed to be protecting the things of God and leading the people in the worship of God, they had completely uh, capitulated to culture and done what was wrong. Nevertheless, 2,300 days that would be gone, then the sanctuary would be cleansed. Um, some Bibles say 2,300 mornings and evenings, which would make it half the amount of 2,300 days. Uh, my New King James Bible says 2,300 days. Christians debate that, but let me put it into perspective for you. If it's mornings and evenings, it comes out to 1,150 days, slightly over three years. This coincides with the most severe part of persecution of the Jews, and it was at the end of that time that the temple was cleansed, all right? Um, if it's 2,300 days, uh, and not just uh, 2,300 mornings and evenings, if it's the full length of 2,300 days, that also works out, because if you count back from the day the temple was cleansed, get this, December 25, sound like, an, it, well, I've heard that date before, 165 B.C., if you count back from there, 
2,300 days than it takes you uh, to the year when Antiochus started his persecution. Again, similar to um, Antichrist, right? You have a full, in Antichrist day, you have a full seven years. The first half of the seven years, there's persecution going on, but the second half, uh, the last three and a half years, that is when the real persecution uh, started to happen, will start to happen in the future. Very similar thing with Antiochus. You can see this, how things parallel. But, you look at this. It says the temple will be cleansed. And this, is, this to me is the coolest thing. How would the temple be cleansed? Whether it's 2,300 days or 2,300 mornings and evenings. Um, well, in the books of Maccabees, a little bit more history, we're almost done. You ready? Okay. In the book of Maccabees, which are part of the Apocrypha, the historic details of the events that took place that lead to the cleansing of the sanctuary are given. In the days of the persecution, a representative of Antiochus was sent to a priest <coughs> named Mattathias, and he said, you're a priest, a Jewish priest? So the other Jewish priest before him had already sold out, right? But this Mattathias, he's not, I'm, no, I'm not going to go along with this Greek stuff. So this representative of Antiochus goes to Mattathias, a priest, and says, you are ordered to bow down and worship at the altar of Jupiter, the Greek god. So incensed was Mattathias over this that when a Jew obeyed Antiochus and went to worship Jupiter, he killed the Jew and the officer who made him worship Jupiter. In, uh, this was the beginning of what's known as the Maccabean Revolt. Um, that old priest, Mattathias, died, but he passed the torch of liberty and revolution to Judas Maccabeus, Hence the books of the Maccabees. Judas Maccabeus became known as Judas the Hammer. Judas the Hammer won the victory over Antiochus, and when he went to cleanse the temple, the first thing he wanted to do was find oil to light the lamps. Accordingly, the Jews needed enough oil to light the lamps, many of you know this, for how many days? Eight days, right? For eight days. However, there's barely enough to light a lamp, just one lamp, for any length of time. However, God miraculously caused the small amount of oil to last the eight days, and the prophecy was fulfilled for cleansing the temple at the end of 2,300 days of persecution and abomination of desolation. To this day, the Jews celebrate this great event and the victory over Antiochus is known as the Feast of Dedication. John, in the New Testament, and the Gospel of John refers to the Feast of Dedication during the days of Jesus, just a few months, the winter before Jesus was put on the cross. Uh, Jesus put on the cross in spring, um, and this uh, at Passover, uh, this happened in winter. And John, uh, Jesus says this, now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Uh, many of you know what we call the Feast of Dedication, don't you? We call it Hanukkah. So there, okay, now this is what you have. You have, you have the Hanukkah lamp, uh, the, the candelabra, right? Um, so you have four candles on each side. You have the servant candle in the middle. You have four on each side, right? A typical menorah has three on each side with the servant candle in the middle. The Hanukkah uh, is specifically made just for this event here that is coming from what Daniel saw and predicted ahead of time what was going to come jesus saw it had already come and then jesus said wait a minute the abomination the real one with antichrist is still coming but that helps you to understand if you didn't already what is the story behind hanukkah and uh what's going on with it so there's a story about a persecutor of the jews in the country that was once behind the iron curtain he asked one of the jews who had been tortured, what do you think will happen to you and your people if we continue to persecute you? He replied, the result will be a feast. Pharaoh tried to destroy us, and the result was Feast of Passover. Haman tried to destroy, it, destroy us, and the result was the Feast of Purim. Antiochus tried to destroy us, and the result was the Feast of Dedication, a.k.a. Hanukkah. Just try to destroy us, and we'll start another feast. I like what David Tal said last week, for those of you who are here, um, they're being threatened by Iran, they you know, give us another feast day. Uh, they tried to, what, what's the definition of a Jewish feast day? It's 
uh, uh, they, they tried to kill us, they didn't kill us, let's eat, right, let's party. And so they have all these feast days. Uh, anyways, we're going to pick up here from next week, but notice in verse 13, the angel says, the Holy One says, how long, Lord? How much longer is this catastrophe going to go on? I think a lot of us are asking, how, how much longer, Lord? Um, I, I, I really believe that we need to be ready. Jump all the way down to verse 23. The Bible says this, In the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise, Antichrist, having fierce features who understand sinister schemes. Uh, we're looking at that next week. But ha- the, the fullness, what's it say? The fullness of when their transgressions have reached their fullness. You look, you go, are we there? Man, we are close, aren't we? But this, this is a reminder for all these things that we look at. You also, listen, you. Jesus is talking to you and me. All right? Be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you least expect, when you do not expect. Folks, we need to be ready. There's probably good things that are happening in many of your bank accounts. Um, Your marriage can be going great. I don't know. Uh, Your singleness may be better than it's ever been before. I don't know. But the problem is we get deceived when things are going good. And right now, this world has got problems. We talk about these things. We talk about what the Bible says. We need to be ready and realize that Jesus is coming when the world and even the church starts to say, he's not coming back yet. Things are really going good. Did you know there's a peace plan in Jerusalem? Wow, things are going great. Listen, you better be ready, amen? Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is good. We love you because you first loved us. To you be the glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.